Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelensky Show. I have a great guest and a very timely message. The message we're going to get into today is very timely. Before I jump into the program, I want to make sure that you are following me on social media. And by the end of the week, the new website is launching SheilaZelinsky.com. You're really going to like the new website. It's going to be very user-friendly, and I think you're really going to like it. Listen, if you have not become one of my patron supporters, please do support this show. This show is 100% listener-supported, commercial-free, advertising-free, no interruptions. Please do make sure you support me The information is linked in the description below. We've made some really easy ways to give, such as Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, PayPal. That information is also linked in the description. And for snail mail, you can send check or money order to Sheila Zelensky Ministries, P.O. Box 396, Woodland Hills, California, 91365. And just know that we pray for all our supporters. And I want to thank you personally for supporting this ministry. It is greatly appreciated. Well, I want to jump right into the program today. He is long overdue, and I thought this was a really timely message. Since we're going into Resurrection Sunday, I want to welcome Pastor John Terrell from EAEC Ministries. The information's up on your screen. Glad to have you back on the program, John. Listen, I'm going to hand you the mic to get into this because, and of course, a lot of people still calling it Easter. So I've saw some social media posts where Christians are celebrating Passover. So today I want to call this program The Truth About Passover. And I don't think anyone lays this out quite like Pastor John Trell. So John, I'm going to hand you the mic and you throw it back to me when you're ready, sir. Thank you very much, Sheila. I'd like to start to pray. My Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you right now for giving me an anointing when I present this material, Father God, and also that you will anoint each one that is listening so they will be able to understand. So that, Father God, we will have a total understanding of the truth as presented in the Bible. And this I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, most people have not understood that Christianity did not originate in New York, London, or Los Angeles. Christianity originated in Israel. And when Jesus came to earth to live and to die on the cross, he came to his own people, the people of Israel, the the 12 tribes. At that time, they were called Jews. And so Judaism had developed certain trends and certain customs over the years, since the time of Moses. I don't want you to feel that you are ignorant. Uh, Let me tell you how educated I was. When I came back to Christ in 1966 and started going to church, I thought that Jesus was his first name and Christ was a family name. So because we do not understand Jewish culture, the Old Testament, we get messed up when it comes to knowing what the New Testament is telling us. So I'm going to begin by giving you a very short, brief history and background to Judaism and in a setting that Jesus came. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is a Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar is tied to the moon and follows the lunar cycles. A Jewish year has 12 months, And because it's based on the circle of the moon, 
a Jewish year has 354 days, with 29 or 30 days in each month. Compare this with a Roman calendar, we use today the following solar cycles of 365 days. So if you try to compare a Jewish calendar with the Julian calendar we use here in the West, you're going to get screwed up because they are based on two different things. We are based on a solar year, and they are based on a lunar year. Now, a Jewish day begins and ends at 6 p.m. We here in the United States and in the rest of the world, we go from midnight to midnight. The Jewish day goes from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you don't know that and you read the Bible, you're going to get screwed up on your times. So the Jewish day begins at 6 p.m., but they begin counting the daylight hours from 6 a.m. So let me have you understand that. So let's say you have Saturday night, 6 p.m. Now, after 6 p.m., we are not into Sunday, but they count the daylight hours, which would be 6 a.m. So they don't count the night. They have watches during the night. So this is another way that they do it. Now, evidence of this can be found in the four Gospels by searching the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. And you read that in the Bible, and he says, now, what is the third hour and so on? Well, let me just give you a very short, brief understanding of this. The first hour is from daylight to 8 a.m. The second hour is from 8 to 9 a.m. Third hour from 9 to 10 a.m. And it goes on, so on. So, for example, at noon, that is the sixth hour. And then 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that is the ninth hour. So if you have that table, then you understand when we talk about the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, and so on, when they talk about the first hour, the second hour, and so on. This is just a tidbit for you. Jews who are members of the Shabbat Lubavitch movement. Now, most of you might not know what a Shabbat Lubavitch movement is. It is a Kabbalistic movement. It's the biggest, largest uh, synagogue system right now in Judaism. And um, one of his most prominent members is Jared Kushner, the son-in-law of President Trump married to Ivanka. He's a member of the Shabbat Lubavitch movement. Now, they have gone to the extreme and the hours of each day to be calculated. For example, if the sunrise is at 5 a.m. and sunset is at 7.30 p.m., they will divide the 14 hours and 30 minutes of daylight by 12, so that an hour a day will be 72.5 minutes long. Instead of 60 minutes, it is now 72.5 minutes long. Thus, if they're going to observe a special ritual at the second hour, which will occur at 8.37 a.m. and 30 seconds. So they have gone to the supreme, to the uttermost, I would say, <clears throat> they've gone far beyond what is normal. But this, the Lubavitch Shabbat movement, is what's going to bring in the Antichrist. Let me talk about nighttime now. The first watch is between sunset and 9 p.m., Second watch between 9 p.m. to midnight. Third watch between midnight to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch, 3 a.m. to sunrise. It helps if you have a table 
like I have a table here that I'm looking at, and you read the New Testament, you can say, okay, this is the time in our time. Now, let me talk about the Jewish Passover. A few Christians know that the Jewish Passover is currently a seven-day period in Israel and eight days for the Jews who live outside of Israel. Now, Easter week, if I can use that term, for Christians consists of, you have Palm Sunday, and then you have the Resurrection Day when Jesus rose on Sunday, and then you have some things between. You have the crucifixion and uh, so on, which I will talk about. But to the Jews, it's a seven-day festival in Israel, eight days for those who are outside. Now, at the time of Christ, the Jews had two names for the same festival. It was called the Feast of the Passover or the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. If you do not know that, when the Bible talks about the Feast of the Passover or the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, uh, you will have a gap there. And you says, now, what does that mean? It means the Passover period of seven days or eight days outside. Now, the first month in a Jewish calendar is called Nisan. And this calendar month begins through March through April. So the Jewish calendar does not fit ours at all. The Jewish calendar is simply March through April in a Roman calendar. Nisan is a month that the Passover is observed. The 13th day, which is always a Tuesday. Notice now, we're looking at Jewish calendar. Nisan is a month. The 13th day of Nisan is always a Tuesday, and that is called the preparation day for the Passover. And this is why in the Gospels, we're going to read a little bit, you will find that Jesus told his disciples on Tuesday, go into the city, prepare the Passover so I can have it. The Passover meal is eaten after 6 p.m., which means that it's eaten on the 14th day of Nisan. So we have a shift here. From the New Testament, we know that Jesus' disciples ate the Passover meal on Tuesday night. The 14th day, Wednesday of Nisan, was called the first day of the Passover. And people worked at normal jobs during this day. This is the day that the Jesus brought to Pilate at 6 a.m., was crucified, at noon. The 15th day of Nisan, which is Thursday, was called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread and also known as the High Sabbath. So in the Passover week, we have two Sabbaths. We have the High Sabbath, which is on Thursday. We have the regular Sabbath on Saturday. If you do not know that, you get thrown off when you read the New Testament, because he talks about as a day the Sabbath was approaching, and immediately you think Saturday, but it was Thursday. This is not to be confused with a regular Sabbath. The High Sabbath was a holy day for the Jews, and no work could be done on this day. All roads and bridges leading to Jerusalem had been cleaned the day before from garbage, and the corpse of dead animals had been removed. Notice now. When Jesus had been crucified and he, he gave up the ghost at 3 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, the Jews that was there 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, you know, we got to get these guys down from the cross because we got the high Sabbath coming and we cannot defile that. So if you remember reading that the Romans broke the legs of the two thieves and by breaking the legs, they suffocated in about 20 minutes because they could no longer raise themselves up and down as they would do. It take about three days to die on the cross. They came to Jesus and they found out his body was dead. They pierced him with a spear, out came blood and water. So Jesus' bones were never broken. And they took it down and they wanted to do that because it was so important to the Jewish leadership to do all things right, to have it clean, kosher. Now, another thing that was done was that in Jerusalem, they didn't have any graves. They simply had tombs, or they have in the area, not the mountain, but it's a mountainous area. So they have simply dug out caves or tombs, and they put the dead in there, and then they had a stone that was covering that. Now, the custom was, according to the Pharisees, that before the high Sabbath, they had to go with white chalk that they have mixed up with water, and they whitewashed all the tombs. I'm going to give you a tidbit. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are whitewashing the walls to the tombs, but inside they are full of bones, dead bones. Now, I did not know when I came to Christ that this is a custom in Jerusalem at the time of Christ, that they would clean up the streets, the bridges, whitewash all the tombs so they would be nice and clean when we had the high Sabbath. So, the 60th day of Friday on Nisan was called the morrow after the Sabbath, and this is the day of the cutting of barley sheaves. So Friday was still a holiday for the Jews. They could not work on that. And that's the reason that the women did not go to the grave until Sunday because they couldn't go on Thursday. That was a high Sabbath. Friday was the day after Sabbath, and that was the cutting of the barley sheaves. Saturday was a regular Sabbath, and that's when they came Sunday morning to the tomb. The 17th day of Nisan, which is Saturday, and the year that Jesus was crucified, and so Jesus rose sometimes between 6 p.m. Saturday night and 6 a.m. Sunday morning. And this timeline is consistent with Jesus' word that he would be dead for three days and three nights. Let me read to you right now from Matthew 12, 38. Then certain the scribes and the Pharisees, answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, And even adulterous generation searched after signs. There shall be no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the world's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And by the way, I read out of a King James Version. If you got another version... I would say this, that much of the stuff that I'm sharing with you might not be in your Bible. So if you want to have the true stuff, 
in English, you have to stay in a King James Version. Now, the Catholic Church uh, decided back in about 350 after Christ, they would put Jesus on a cross on Friday. And this is where you have the term Good Friday. It's really not the Good Friday. It should have been a bad Friday because that's when Jesus was crucified for our sins that he had not committed. So you have on a Friday morning, you have mass and a lot of uh, Lutherans and Protestants of a different kind, you know, they, they simply celebrate something, you know, on Friday morning, all day is kind of a bad day. Well, Jesus was not crucified on Friday. If Jesus was crucified on Friday, he'd be in a grave the night between Friday and Saturday. He'd be in a grave Saturday, and he would actually be in a grave for one day and two nights. That's not what the scripture says. He said three days and three nights. Looking at the Jewish calendar, knowing that we got a seven days Passover festival, we can now determine that Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday afternoon, actually from noon to 3 p.m. So anyone going to a Friday mass or morning on Friday and saying, you know, well, this is the day that Jesus died on the cross, that is a lie. And when you tell that to people, you are propagating a lie. And when we lie, you know what happened? Demons come in. They have access to us. So every pastor that stands up and talks about the Friday crucifixion, he is a liar, has not done his homework. And I can't blame him because when I'm at the seminary, I got a master of divinity. I never learned this. I never learned nothing about Jewish customs at the time of Christ. They simply said, you don't need to know that. Just stay in the New Testament. Well, if you read the New Testament, it says, well, what was the custom? Well, you're not supposed to know that. So that's why we have a lack of knowledge. So having given you now this background, let me say this to you. Let's talk about the weeks now. Notice that some Easter's or Passover's, the Jewish Passover week is the same as the Christian. But most of the time, they are maybe up to two to three weeks apart due to the lunar year and the solar year. The other thing is that the Jews started out on the Egyptian calendar when they got into the promised land. Eventually, they went to the Babylonian calendar. And so, in reality, we do not know the exact week that the Passover took place 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. So people that are saying, well, you know, we got to follow the Jewish calendar. we got to be exact. They just like the Shabbat people, the Lubavitchers. has no meaning. What has meaning is that we commemorate that Jesus did down the cross. He rose on the third day. And through his death and resurrection, you and I can be saved. Now, let me walk you through the week now. And I'm going to start by taking you to Matthew chapter 21. That's Matthew chapter 21. Now, Sunday. Sunday is our day of rest for most people in the West. If you're seven days Adventist, it's Saturday. 
if you are in a Muslim country, it is on Friday. So the Muslims have their Sabbath day on Friday, the Jews and the Seventh-day Adventists on Saturday, the rest of us on Sunday. According to Jewish history now and their, their customs, Sunday is the first workday for them. Sunday is the Jewish Monday. And so you got to understand now that when you hear about the first day of the week, that is Sunday. In Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, I'm going to read very briefly here now. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, were come to Bethphagor, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village over against him. Straightway you shall find an ass tied to a colt, loose them, and bring them to me. And if any man say aught unto you, you say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that he might be fulfilled with the spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king comes unto you meek, sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And that was a quote from Zechariah 9, 9. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought in the ass and the colt, and put them on their clothes, and they set them thereupon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, cutting down branches from the trees, strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and had followed cried, saying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when they would come into the Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the mother said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So Palm Sunday, which we talk about in Christian churches, is on Sunday, the first workday of the week for the Jews. And this is where Jesus rode into the city. That evening, after he had been to the temple and done some teaching, he went back to Bethany, which is a village two miles east of Jerusalem on the east slope of Olivet. I want to take you now to Mark chapter 11. That's the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to go to the 11th chapter, and we're going to read the following, Mark 11 and verse number 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar of having leaves, he came, if happily, he might find a thing thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of the figs was not yet. Jesus answered and said, it, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. A disciple heard it. So this is the day he cursed the fig tree. Most of the end of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John are actually things happening the last few days of Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 24, which is the tremendous chapter of Revelation, was spoken of the Passover week. And then we find in verse number 15, And they came to Jerusalem and went to the temple, and they began to cast out on the soul and bought in the temple, over through the tables and the money changes, and they see to them that sold doves. So when Jesus came back on Monday, he was not in a nice mood he wanted to clean the temple and he called it the temple of thieves and liars and so he cleaned it out so the teaching he did that day was he talked about the wickedness of the tenants he talked about the marriage feast 
He settled the tax question. He talked about resurrection. He gave the great commandment. He talked about David's son. And he gave the rose unto the Pharisees, which we found in Matthew 23. And that's what I was going to go before. He leaving the temple. Jesus outlined the future. That's Matthew chapter 24. So Matthew 24 was taught on Monday afternoon. He also talked about the ten virgins, the talents, the coming judgment, and we also have Judas' contact with the authorities, and I want to read that. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going kind of fast. I'm just going to give you some highlights here. Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest, and he said to them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenant with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. So Judas contacted the priest on Monday and said, I am ready to betray him. How much? And they said, 30 pieces of silver. Judas said, done deal. I will do it. You got to understand now, there was no electricity at the time of Jesus on earth. At nighttime, they had torches, but it was very difficult to find someone in the dark, even if they had torches, and know who they really were. Particularly, this is most, almost all the men had beards. And that's why Judas told them, he said, I'm going to lead you to him. When I find him, I will go up and kiss him on the cheek. That way you will know who he is. That's what we have what we call the Judas kiss. In verse number 17 now, now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, that is Tuesday. We just went through that before. The disciple came to Jesus saying to him, Where will you that we prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, the Passover meal was initiated by Jesus himself to Moses. At this time, it was about 2,000 prior to Jesus. And every year, they had a Passover, the killing of a lamb, having the cups, the bitter herbs, the bread, and so on. And it was a symbolic meal signifying exodus out of Egypt and the coming of the Messiah because the lamb that was slain was a symbol of Jesus. Remember this, when Moses told the people to prepare for the Passover, he said, you take a lamb, you kill it, then you take the blood and you strike it on the doorpost, on the left, the right, and on the top. And when the angel of death comes he will pass over your house and he will not kill the firstborn that's what it's called passover when we had the angel of death killing every firstborn in egypt so tuesday now as we read here they prepare the meal and let's read a little bit further here in in matthew 26 here and he said go to the city to such a man said to him the master says my time's at hand I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the evening was come, at six o'clock now, Tuesday, he did not do any teaching. He came into town from Bethlehem, Bethphagor, and sat down at six o'clock with the disciples. 
And then we read in verse 21. As they did eat, he said, Verily say to you, that one of you should betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began to one of them to sit to him, Lord, said I. And he answered and said, He that dips his hand with me in a dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goes as is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said to him, You have said. Now, after this, Judas left. But now I want to talk to you about the Passover meal, which we have in the next few verses. Notice now, the Passover meal was initiated under the first covenant. A lamb had to be killed. It was part of the sacrificial law. This Tuesday night, Jesus came, and he was going to end the first covenant. But Tuesday night, it was still in force, and Jesus wanted to fulfill all things. Let me read to you here from verse number, actually, we'll start in verse number 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink you all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. For I said to you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit, of the wine, until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, Jesus simply told them in another place that often as you do this, remember my death and my resurrection. Listen closely now. There's a lot of people, Christians, that says, well, we got to go back to our Jewish roots and we want to do the Passover, which they call, it's also called Cedar, C-E-D-A-R, Cedar, is the Hebrew word for the Passover meal. And um, you can't really do that, because if you do partake the Passover meal with the Jewish family, you are crucifying Christ again, because they have killed a lamb that represents the Messiah. The Messiah came 2,000 years ago. He simply fulfilled the Passover meal. He took two items out of it. And these two items was the bread and the wine. And he said, this is now what you keep out of the Passover. The rest of it is not going to be used. Let me read to you right now from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse number 23. This is Paul speaking here now. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, with the sub saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now the Catholic Church, they take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. A lot of churches, they take it the last week of the month, the first day of the month, or the first Wednesday of the month, or whatever it is. And they have a routine, a schedule. In the New Testament, Jesus never said, I want to do this quarterly, I want to do this weekly, I want to do this monthly. 
He said, as often as you do it, you are doing it the remembrance of me. Now, the communion, the bread and the wine, does not have any power in itself. It is a memorial. Now, a lot of people think, well, before I die, man, I got to have the, I got to have the cup, you know, I got to have the bread, you know, or I'm going to go to hell. That's witchcraft. You see, slow down a second and listen to me. People say, you know, the Bible, if I hold up the Bible, demons will flee. There's no power in the Bible. A Bible is made of paper and ink, has no power in it. The same you have the Lord's Supper, it does not have any power in it. The power is in Jesus, in the name of Jesus. When we take communion, we are obedient. Now, if you take the communion, you are not saved, there's a curse on you. If you have sins, there's a curse on you. And it says here, you know, that some have died because they take it unworthily. But trying to think, the coronavirus will not get to me if I take communion every day. That's witchcraft. The power is in the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus only. So now, we simply have that Jesus now had finished the supper. Let me go back now to, I want to go back to Matthew 27. And we finish this up. And, you know, it's exciting to me when I learn this because it has meaning. I know what the Passover week is. In Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to pick it up from verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And there was a garden of Gethsemane. It was a garden where they were growing spices and bushes and trees. Very nice place. And Jesus spent many nights when he was in the area of Jerusalem in that garden and judas knew that then said jesus to them all you should be offended because of me this night which written i would smite the shepherd and the sheep or the flock should be scattered abroad but when i'm right risen again i will go before you to galilee so this is now we had peter saying you know hey if everybody fails you know i'll be there and so on and then in verse 37 and 38 you have when jesus took john and peter and James with him, and he went to told him, can you sit there and pray? He went further and prayed, and drops of blood came out when he prayed. He came back and found them sleeping and said, couldn't you stay away a little bit? And after they had prayed, and Jesus had prayed, we read now in verse number 46, Jesus said, rise, let's go be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Notice this now. Jesus could have run away from the garden. He knew that Judas was coming. But instead of running away, Jesus told James, John, and Peter, Okay, enough. We got to go back where we normally stay. Because Jesus wanted Judas to find him. Jesus did not shy away from the cross. He knew he had to go to the cross. He was willing to go to the cross. To pay for your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. And while he had spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came, and with him a great multitude with swords, and stay for the chief priests and the elders of the people. And then you have the betrayal in the rest of this chapter. They took him that night, about two o'clock in the morning, to the palace of the high priest, 
and this is where he was buffeted, spit on, they ripped off his beard, and this is where he really got severely damaged, abused. Now, in chapter 27, when the morning was come, Wednesday morning, folks, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus, put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So from about four o'clock in the morning, a Wednesday, to about six o'clock, he was abused by the high priest, the Pharisees, and others. Six o'clock, he was taken to Pontius Pilate to the Romans. And from six to twelve, they were arguing back and forth. Where Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. And they screamed, crucify him. He says, should I crucify the king of the Jews? They said, he's not our king. And finally, Pilate said, okay, I'll let you have it your way. And it was then when he took out a basin, he sat down and washed his hand and said, I am clean of his blood. And the Jewish priest and leadership said, let his blood come upon us and our children. That's when he had the blood curse that is still over every Jew today until they accept Christ and are moved from the first covenant to the second covenant. Well, let's move on here now. So Wednesday at noon, he was up on the cross and he was there until 3 p.m. when he died. Actually, Jesus did not die. Jesus left his body on the cross. Jesus himself never died. His body died. Jesus went to paradise where he stayed for three days and three nights. He went over to hell. He preached to the people that were there. I have come. I paid for the sins. You missed it. It's over for you. And he came back into paradise. Now, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Jesus' body was in the grave. Jesus himself was in paradise. The body of Jesus was in the grave from Wednesday night through Saturday. And since we talked about that the Jewish day run from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., we do notice that he rose sometime between Saturday night and Sunday morning. And now I want to take you to Matthew chapter 28. I'm skipping a lot of Bible verses here because of time of essence, but I want to give you the highlights. In Matthew chapter 28, we read this. In the end of the Sabbath, that is Saturday, the regular Saturday, as it began to dawn to the first day of the week, that is Sunday, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his cattle were like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become a dead man. And the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. He is risen and said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now, the resurrection was the following. Jesus came back from paradise and stood outside the tomb. Angels were there, rolled back the stone. The Holy Spirit came, and we have this in Romans, where it said the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead also is surgeon for you and me. 
the Holy Spirit came through the body of Jesus. He'd been dead for three days and three nights. The blood simply had stiffened. The muscles were shot. He was dead. His body was dead. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit came in and rejuvenated the body and brought it back to life from the dead. And once the Holy Spirit had raised up that body, Jesus stepped into the body and he was now back in his body that had been resurrected. And it was in this body that for 40 days he stayed and talked with the disciples before he ascended back up into heaven. Let me try to get this together to summarize this for you here now. According to the New Testament, and knowing the Jewish calendar, and knowing that the Jewish Passover is seven days, knowing there are two Sabbaths on the Passover week, we cannot determine the following. Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a Sunday. He came back Monday and did main teaching. He cleaned the temple. And we have some of the most remarkable teaching of Jesus <clears throat> was done the last day he was here. Tuesday, he came back late in the afternoon, sat down in the upper room, which is the same place where you had the, the day of Pentecost where the disciples were. He sat down in the upper room, had the Passover meal with them. He took out two elements, the bread and the wine, and said, the rest now has no value. And after they had sung a hymn, they finished up. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and in that garden, he went away a little bit further for the regular place where they stayed and slept. He prayed, and he came back and said, we've got to be here so the Jews can come. Wednesday morning, he was arrested. Six o'clock, he was taken to Pilate. Wednesday at noon, he was on the cross. And 3 p.m. on Wednesday night, he left his body, and his body was buried Wednesday night by Joseph of Arimathea. And he stayed in that tomb until somewhere between Saturday night and Sunday morning, when the Holy Spirit came, resurrected the body, Jesus stepped back into it, and that is the Passover week. So if you're going to celebrate something this week, don't go and moan and groan Friday and say, you know, this is the day he was crucified. No, he was crucified Wednesday. Instead, be praising God Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that Sunday is coming. The resurrection day is coming. Now, I didn't get into all the pagans and so on because there's no time to put this into one message. So in our church, which is called Resurrection Life of Jesus Church, we celebrate this coming Sunday, the great resurrection of the body of Christ, his triumph over death, and that through his death and resurrection, you and I can be saved. That is a real Passover and a real resurrection week. Let me close by saying this to you. The material that I used for here today to make this program, you can have it. We have it written. It's free of charge. One of the article is called the Passover Week, where you have a timeline. 
And the other one's called the Passover week and the two Sabbath, where I gave you the Jewish customs, how they are. How do you find these? You go to my website, which is eaec.org, stands for European American Evangelistic Crusade. And right down the homepage, at the very, almost to the very top, you will find two articles, the Passover week and the two Sabbath. You can download it, read it, it's free of charge. And once you read that, verify it, verify what I told you about Judaism is true. And I can guarantee you this, if you try to verify it, you will find that everything I told you today is absolutely true. Once you know this, and now you start reading the New Testament, but we had the Passover week and the Resurrection Day, it has much more meaning for you. And you, in your mind, you can follow Jesus riding into Jerusalem, cleaning the temple on Monday, having the Passover on Tuesday night, tried and crucified on Wednesday, being in paradise while his body was in the grave, and up again on Sunday. That is victory. And may God bless you as you really celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a proper way. Back to you, Sheila. Wow, what a great job in laying this all out for us, Pastor John. His information is linked below in the description. Go check out his articles over there at eaec.org. Thanks so much for coming on the program, John. God bless you. Thank you so much for letting me be on your program. Folks, that was Pastor John Terrell from eaec.org. The information is linked below. And this week is pretty significant because our Savior was resurrected. So as we go into this weekend celebrating our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection, I hope you are very blessed. And you know, of course, in this COVID craziness, <laughs> I think you guys know what I feel about this virus. But you know, the biggest problem is not dying from a virus. It's dying without Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the program today, and we'll see you real soon. Good night, and God bless you.